Hi there, and welcome back to the Beyond Aromatics podcast. I'm your host, Savannah Rose. On today's episode, we talk chemistry, but don't leave just yet. We sit down with Dr. Timothy Miller, who's an expert at teaching people chemistry who don't like to be taught chemistry. So we hope you enjoyed the show and check out more of Dr. Tim Miller's work and classes so you can understand the complex world of aroma chemistry. All right, enjoy the show. Today's special guest, Timothy Miller, is a naturopathic physician, licensed acupuncturist, and registered aromatherapist. He is a graduate of the National College of Natural Medicine in Portland, Oregon. Dr. Kim is a chemistry nerd, and he is fascinated by the chemistry found in the natural world. He believes deeply in doctore and loves to teach. Dr. Tim is an international speaker, workshop leader, and contributing author. He believes learning should be fun and makes every attempt to engage his students in a profound and meaningful way. He teaches online on Naturopathic CE, where you can find other aromatherapy experts like Rhiannon Lewis, Anne Harmon, and Marco Vellusi. To learn more about Dr. Tim Miller and the work he does, visit naturopathicce.com or check out the links below. All right, enjoy the show. All right, so today we're sitting down with Dr. Tim Miller, who is going to talk with us about some of the significance of aroma chemistry and the use of chemistry when um, working in aromatherapy and with essential oils. So Dr. Tim, thank you for taking the time out of your day and sitting down with me. Absolutely. And thank you so much, everyone, for joining, especially with the intense topic of chemistry, aromachemistry, which may or may not have been the least inviting subject to come. So thank you so much for being here with us today. Yeah, I know. I'll have to make sure the the title on this one is like chemistry, but don't run away. Make sure you (laughs) Perfect title for the talk. I love it. Um, And so, you know, kind of getting a little bit look at your history and, and seeing how you created your your whole I, I want to say your whole coursework um, and if you don't know Dr. Tim he um, I got the luxury of meeting you two years ago at the conference for my first aroma chemistry um, course with you and I won't lie the thought of chemistry I was like I'm gonna tune out and then you got on stage and you're like charisma and your passion took over and I was like holy cow I'm learning chemistry and awesome. I didn't know it could be done so easily so um kind of getting into that, I wanted to figure out where you started with this. Um, was it aromatherapy? Was it chemistry? Or what brought you to this point? Oh my gosh, that's such a great question. So for me, it started with chemistry, you know, actually in high school, when um, most of my classmates weren't really enjoying the topic, I was loving it. You know, I was like, ooh, like my brain just got it. And, you know, I even remember this one, this one time in class. Okay. Like I've always been a good student, but you know, maybe not like the top, top student. And there was this like really kind of not even hard question, but there was this question that everyone was getting stumped by. And um, Katie Kawa, okay. The number one student in our class, number one student forever. She was sitting in front of me and it was like stumping her. And I knew the answer immediately. And I was like, Katie, like, wait, this is an easy question. Why isn't anyone like jumping out of their chair and walking into the front of the room to like show the, show the teacher. 
And I was like, Katie, isn't it that, you know, I, I was talking to her class like a naughty boy. And I was like, wasn't it this, this, this? And she's like, no, I don't think so. And I was like, wait a minute, it just, this has to be it. This has to be it. So I jumped up out of my chair, like two seconds after he gave the question, went to the teacher, you know, where he would like check off your paper on in your notebook or whatever. And he's like, oop, you got it. And I was like, yes, smarter than the smartest girl in my class. Awesome. So it's like, from there, my love of chemistry was born. You know, it just made me feel like so smart. And, um, you know, so kind of that, that led to that. And I just, I learned that I had a knack for breaking it down. You know, chemistry shuts down people's brains for whatever the reason. And from there, I just kind of learned quickly, like I get it and I can explain it in a way where other people get it too. And that's like one of my, you know, gifts, like, and that's something that if this is one of my gifts, like I'm going to really learn how to cultivate this gift and share this gift. And so that kind of segued into that. And I did that, you know, by, by tutoring, I did it through mentoring. I did it through being a teacher's assistant, you know, through out high school and through college. I also minored in chemistry, you know, I really enjoyed it. And sometime in, in, in college, I learned, I was getting more into like natural medicines, you know, and I was learning about essential oils and I was learning that like all the unique chemistry of essential oils. And I was like, yes, this is going to be the thing that like, I get really good at because not only do they smell amazing, you know, not only are they like this beautifully fragrant thing, not only are they potent medicine, but also like the chemistry is so rich and abundant and unique. And I can bring all of my passions together and really, you know, explore it. So my foot in the door through to aromatherapy um, started in part with my love of chemistry. Yeah. And, and I think, um, you know, you're talking about, you're like, you had a first find the the connection to chemistry and I think maybe that's like it's unique because I think if you understand that it does make approaching a lot of the stuff about essential oils easier whereas I think some people will find essential oils and then kind of get scared knowing that there are important parts of the chemistry that they have to relate back to it and I'm wondering like what um what do you want to tell people about the significance between the relationship of chemistry and aromatherapy and why they should invest in it and not be afraid of it? Oh my gosh. Um, well, I think, I think, you know, not to, not to sound funny or not to sound whatever, but chemistry is everything, you know, chemistry is the reason why we can even smell essential oils. You know, it's because of the chemical nature, the size of those molecules, you know, the bonds that they have. So it's like literally the reason that we can even smell an essential oil versus, you know, the table that I've got my computer on. I can't smell that. You know, why can't I? It's because of the chemistry, you know, to the therapeutic properties. You know, the reason that essential oils work the way they do or have their unique therapeutic properties is all because of the chemistry. And so the more we can understand the chemistry, the more we can understand how and why essential oils act the way that they do. And then the same thing, even for toxicity, like if we can understand the chemistry and what makes certain compounds in essential oils toxic or, you know, less safe or kind of more irritating or can have more of a sensitive, sensitizing sort of reaction, a hypersensitivity reaction, uh, that can really inform our practice as aromatherapists. It can make us better aromatherapists, safer aromatherapists, more effective aromatherapists. And so, you know, again, without kind of sounding too high horsey or funny or whatever, it's like chemistry is kind of all of it. And if we can have a better appreciation for it, 
it just, it, it levels up the whole game of aromatherapy for us. So, so your chemistry is everything. And so like a little intimidated, I'm like, oh my gosh, I really have to know my chemistry to know the importance and the significance and make it safe and effective. I, I want to know if somebody was just picking it up for the very first time, where do you start? Like, what is the starting point? What is the foundation of, of the chemistry of essential oils? Oh my gosh. That's such a great question. Um, I feel like, well, I feel like that. I feel like you, you, you hit the nail on the head there. And I feel like this is a great segue of just, or a great place to mention, you know, we all have different things that we gravitate towards, you know, including in aromatherapy. Some of us will gravitate more towards chemistry. Others of us will gravitate more towards, you know, the perfumery aspect or fragrance aspect. Mm -hmm. Other of us are going to be, you know, for our massage practice, we want to, you know, incorporate these beautiful blends and just know that, you know, we don't all have to be masters and experts of everything. And just because we may not love chemistry and just because, you know, we may not know all of the different things and bonds and molecules and atoms and who knows what else, like that doesn't make us any less of an aromatherapist and it doesn't make us any less of an enjoyer of essential oils. So let's, you know, let's kick any of that self-doubt or shame straight out the door and let's enjoy all the things that we have, you know, in our, in our um, disposal. And also, if you are new to chemistry or new to aromatherapy or new to aromatherapy chemistry, you know, what, where do we start? And I think for me, I like to have a, a practical approach. You know, what are the things that I absolutely need to know first and foremost, so that I do no harm mm -hmm. in naturopathic medicine, you know, they're one of the six tenets of naturopathic medicine is primum non nocere first do no harm. And fortunately, with essential oils as it stands, we've got a lot of leeway, you know, like essential oils, general rule of thumb, they're pretty darn safe, you know, we're probably not going to do too much harm to people, which, you know, gives us fortunately a lot of leeway. Um, but really being practical about it, what are the oils that I need to know that are toxic? Why are they toxic? What are some of the safety considerations? And, you know, uh, what are some of the oils that maybe are more likely to sen have a sensitivity reaction in someone, you know, stuff like that. And so, or cause photosensitivity, phototoxicity. For me, I think if we're gonna take it not much farther than that, not much further than that, then let's at least start with the most practical understanding of essential oil chemistry and know about the most um, toxic, most irritating, most potent components which oils contain them and, you know, how we can minimize any sort of irritating or, or negative reaction. Yeah. And I mean, that makes sense. Like if first do no harm, then at least having that, if you can go through your head and knock out those, then some of the other parts you can, you can fill in as you practice and as you go. Yes. Um, and just like investing, like, do you go through memorization patterns or is it something that, you know, their rules of thumb or like when you're teaching it, do what are ways that you've taught or ways that you've learned that are effective ways of teaching it? And maybe that helps un people understand it, effective ways of learning it as well. Mm -hmm. I'll say, oh my gosh, such a great question. My, what I would say is this, is I think one, I like to use mnemonics as much as possible whenever teaching and whenever learning, that's the way that I find that I can really um, embrace learning and make it more than just rote memorization, but making it more mm -hmm. like embodied understanding, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, I think that 
um, using those tools of kind of creating fun ways of learning are really helpful, whether you create your own or whether you adopt it from maybe a teacher or, you know, a course or, or whatnot. But I think that whenever we can make learning truly an understanding, that's when we get the longest term benefit. It doesn't serve us to, you know, memorize this fact, that fact, and then that fact, fact, because in three days from now, without the constant, you know, yeah, it's gone. It is just gone. And so that's kind of, it's kind of a waste of brain space. You know what I mean? It's like, that doesn't really do much for us, but if we can take on a concept and we, we need anchors. So like, for example, let's mm -hmm. just talk about limonene for a second. Okay. So limonene, limon, like it kind of sounds like lemon. So right there, there's an anchor, limonene, lemon. We know that we can learn, if we don't already know, that limonene is one of these primary components, um, a, a bulk component um, in a lot of our citrus essential oils. So right there, we've got limonene. It kind of sounds like lemon. It happens to be in lemon. It happens to be in other citruses. Okay, we've got this anchor, okay? Maybe another piece of information that we can anchor is, you know, um, citrus products, right? Why do we have like citrus and cleaning products, right? Well, one, it smells really good, but also it's a degreasing agent. Mm -hmm. So right there, we can add another layer of something we already understood. We already know that citruses can be a, a common scent or fragrance or utilized in cleaning products. Well, now we can add a new layer of information there. Limonene, it's found in lemon. It's found in other citrus essential oils. Just like other citruses are used in cleaning products, we know that we can learn that limonene is a degreasing agent and it's a, sol a solvent that can help to break up grease and oil and things like that. So it's like, man, these are all different bits of learning that we already knew, but now we're like packaging it up together and putting a little pretty bow on it. So it's not like rote memorization that we're gonna forget in three days. It's like in three years from now, if I asked you about limonene, it still might actually trigger these little associations that we have. And so I think whenever possible, where we can have these anchors and associations, it really helps us to make this an understanding and associative learning rather than just random bits of kind of fairly useless information that at the end of the day, we're just probably going to end up forgetting anyway, mm -hmm. you know? So that's, you know, one of the approaches that I, I really like to have as both student and as teacher. Yeah, well, that's what I, I hate flashcards. I'm back in school again. And I'm like, I, I thought I'd never have to make myself another flashcard again. Yeah. Because just And I know going through the process is part of the learning. You're like, you write it down. But I have so much, there's, if you're, after a while, you start storing all this information. There's no room to memorize things anymore. It just, you have nothing to hold it to. And so that anchoring point, I'm like, oh, I can also remember this because I know I put lemon in some of my like jams and jellies because it keeps it from going bad, like getting moldy and stuff. It's antibacterial. And so I'm like, oh, I can, I can correlate that. Things I already know, things I've already like picked up from just living. <laughs> in so that, that is really helpful. And I do think it makes it approachable because I know a lot of what you're trying to do is make sure people don't aren't intimidated by that. So they just leave it out completely, but it's right. approachable. Um, and so what are other, um, I guess when you're, when you're doing your courses, where do you start? What is the, do you, do you start with like chemical constituents? Do you start with essential oils? Do you go from big to small or from small to big? So, so that's such a great question. It, for me, it depends on 
you know, kind of how much time I have and what is the core focus. So like for me in my full course that I do, because it's like, I, don't, I think it's like 10 hours or maybe 12 hours, something like that. It's a long course because of it. I start with the very small and I start at the very beginning. And so then that way I kind of can like suss out and these, these details and I can make it so it stacks upon another and stacks upon another and kind of like a meaningful way. So for me, when I've got kind of all the time in the world and I can have like free liberty, like I kind of like to start with the smallest little bit and then work my way up. Okay. But, but also, you know, if I've got 30 minutes or an hour, like that's not going to work, you know? And also I want people to be excited about chemistry. I want them to have a good time, you know, <laughs> all like the nitty gritty details, like I'm totally going to lose people. So, mm -hmm. you know, and that sort of set setting, I kind of like to start with more of like sharing some fun facts, you know, like why is chemistry relevant? Why should I care about it? You know, and then that kind of puts a little bit more of a hook into it. Like, Ooh, like that is cool. Ooh, I do want to know more about it. And then it, Get, um, gets people more interested. And then I can talk about some of the more maybe nitty gritty details or, or things like that. So I, I have a little bit of a different approach based on topic, based on time, based on who, you know, um, yeah. try to make it, you know, as fun as possible, whenever possible, why not have it be fun? Well, yeah. And I think that goes a long way for making it again, making it approachable. If somebody's like, I have to start at the very, very basics all the way back to like chemistry 101 from college. It might be like kind of ex like tedious and exhausting. You're looking down this long road of like, I have to know all of these like oh molecules, how to name them, what constituents make up each part of them. And you're like, Oh God, it might just close the book and you walk away. <laughs> yeah, done and done. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, I, I wonder like if somebody was brand new to aromatherapy, um, would you tell them to start with chemistry or what, like what, how far into your, I guess, interest or um, study of aromatherapy, would you say start investing time in the chemistry and where does it fit in for a, a newbie to it? Ooh, such a great question. Um, I'm just reflecting back kind of on my own personal studies, you know, with the course that I took, you know, and it was one of the first sections, you know, like, so I guess I have a few things to say about to respond to your question. The first I would say is in a sense, I see learning like a pizza, you know, it's like, think of a personal pan pizza. It doesn't matter if you start with the crust. It doesn't matter if you eat the whole crust and then go for the center. It doesn't matter if you cut it up like a pie and start with the crust, or if you cut it up like a pie and start with the slice from the center. At the end of the day, we just got to get that learning in one way or another. And um, I guess what I would say is, you know, another thing that feels true for me is start with the things that you're most interested in. You know, start with a thing in aromatherapy that you really like. Like if you really like, you know, if you've got maybe neck pain or back pain, and that's something you're passionate about, like really learn about all the things around that, like oils that are good for that maybe even the chemistry around some of those components, maybe even some of their safety and toxicity profiles, like of the oils, of the components, like let's allow the foot in the door to be something that you're really passionate about. Maybe you're more passionate about the fragrance side of things. Okay, well, what's a top note? What's a middle note? What's a base note? Why are they that way? Why does the chemistry around them make them kind of maybe the first thing that we smell or the last thing that we smell? What does the molecule size have to do with all of this? You know, different... 
I think learning is kind of like a pizza. We can kind of come from any angle that we want to and we can take different approaches. But let's start with the thing that kind of first excites us and let's get that ball rolling. And I think as we get the, the ball of uh, learning rolling, well, that was kind of a mouthful. I don't know why the ball of learning rolling. Um, we then, it makes it easier. It makes even the things that we don't like or we like less, it makes them more accessible. Mm -hmm. And I think find value in their meaning um, and value in wanting to understand them, even if it may not have been the first thing that we want. But I think, I also, the other thing that I think is I think it doesn't serve us to avoid almost anything in life or, or in, to intentionally avoid anything in life, chemistry included, but not limited to chemistry. And so if we notice that we're feeling an aversion to something, then it doesn't mean we have to, you know, jump, um, uh, dive right into it. But just notice if we are feeling an aversion and that may be an area where we can make it more approachable by making it maybe a little bit more digestible by, by finding, you know, breaking it down differently or seeking out a resource or asking a teacher or a friend or a colleague or, you know, something. Because I think oftentimes what happens when we avoid something for so long is at some point it ends up kind of to bite, coming back to bite us, you know? Mm-hmm. And it be, the more that we avoid, kind of the more um, difficult it becomes, the more of a problem it becomes. So I guess my invitation there would be, you know, to not intentionally avoid anything, including chemistry. And if you do notice an aversion to it, seek help, seek support, take a course, you know, reach out to a classmate or a friend or whatever, a book, and, you know, nibble away at it and make it, make it digestible you know, make it, uh, take it one step at a time. Yeah. So I do want to get into some of the nitty gritty and oh, sure. um, I, I think even kind of re-emphasizing why it's important. Can you talk about, or have any examples of um, why the chemistry aspect significant when it, when it might affect like a safety or um, effectiveness of a certain essential oil or blend or somebody's wanting to have some type of therapeutic use for it and why knowing the chemistry will have a direct effect on what essential oils to use. hundred percent. So I'm going to give, I'm sorry if these are repetitive or kind of some obvious examples, but they're just great examples to use. So I'll, I'll start here. Um, one of the first ones I would say would be wintergreen, you know, using wintergreen essential oil or sweet birch, you know, this, this essential oil is incredible for pain relief, right? It's incredible for pain relief. It's an analgesic. Um, but why? Well, when we look at it, it contains primary, almost exclusively in the upwards of like high 80s, 90 or so percent of methyl salicylate. And so, you know, right there, we know the primary component, the one that's giving a, a huge portion of its therapeutic action of providing pain relief, and if we understand that methyl salicylate, for example, is actually kind of like a cousin, a molecular cousin of aspirin, hmm. it lets us, yeah, right? It lets us, isn't that cool? Isn't that kind of a fun fact? Mm -hmm. to, the same effect where methyl salicylate, okay, is which is what we find in the essential oil, and we have um, aspirin, which is ASA, acetyl salicylic acid, in the body, they both form salicylic acid, and that's the active component of, of, of aspirin. And so, yeah, and so 
what we see is, is effectively when we're using wintergreen essential oil, effectively we're giving a person aspirin. Like literally that's, that's, it's, it's molecular. That's what it becomes. Same thing in the body through right. bio. And so one, like, is aspirin like without, you know, side effects? Absolutely not. Like, can we take aspirin safely? Like, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And is aspirin without, you know, side effects? Absolutely not. Like it has those. Can people be allergic to aspirin? Absolutely. If someone's allergic to aspirin, are they also allergic to um, wintergreen or methyl salicylate? Absolutely they are. And so by uncovering, you know, the chemistry and understanding kind of why is it being helpful? Well, it's being helpful because it is an analgesic. It is an anti-inflammatory agent in the case of methyl salicylate. Also, we uncover more of its toxicity. We know that just like aspirin is toxic, so too can um, uh, wintergreen be. And if someone has an aspirin allergy, they also are going to be allergic to wintergreen. So we shouldn't be using wintergreen even topically with someone like with, yeah. that, with an uh, aspirin sensitivity or aspirin allergy. So, you know, and that's- that makes- sense because kids too, I mean, sensitive to aspirin, they're sensitive to wintergreen. And so when you make that connection in your head and you can be like, that's why. Yes. (laughs) Mind blown. (laughs) Uh, Can you give me another, can you give just one more example? Cause I'm so now I'm, now I'm hooked. Yeah. Hooked. Okay, good. Let's do another one. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about um, cinnamaldehyde. Okay. So in cinnamon bark essential oil, First of all, uh, so cinnamaldehyde is one of the primary components there. And cinnamaldehyde, a um, couple of things. One, well, if you've ever had the very unfortunate experience of having even like the slightest amount of undilute um, cinnamon bark essential oil on your skin, you know that it burns, 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 right? It is so uncomfortable, so unpleasant. I've had that happen before and woo, I will never forget that. <laughs> Um, so, you know, that's kind of one thing. And, and also, you know, kind of like that crazy challenge that people do where they like bulk. Oh. Um, yeah, I know the cinnamon powder in their mouth thing. <laughs> I've never done this, but I have seen someone do it. <laughs> you know, like, why does that happen? You know, like, mm-hmm. why does that happen? And for both of those cases, you know, part of the reason is this component cinnamaldehyde. And when we look at the chemistry of cinnamaldehyde, one, and, and if this is like, for those who know what I'm about to say, go with it. And if you don't like just delete for the moment, it's not a big deal. But one thing things that it has is it has a benzene ring on it. Okay. It has like this kind of circular um, molecular shape on part of the molecule. If you don't know what that means, just delete. If you do awesome. But I just say that to say that by knowing that, by seeing that, and by knowing that we know that it's a more fiery, pungent kind of irritating molecule because it has that. And so it makes sense then that um, cinnamon bark is gonna be kind of a fiery, pungent, irritating sort of molecule and can have that um, warming sensation. The other thing, when we get really, when we go down the rabbit hole of chemistry, cinnamaldehyde is a special type of aldehyde that increases the risk of hypersensitivity reactions. And so it is more likely to cause um, an immune system response in the skin and is more likely to cause a hypersensitivity reaction. So just by knowing the chemistry that that's there, we can see um, some of the irritating um, uh, properties of this component. And also because of this molecule, 
we can see that cinnamon bark essential oil is a phenomenal antimicrobial agent. It can kill stuff like crazy. It's so good at that, you know, and um, also makes sense why in small, small, small amounts, it can be supportive to the digestive tract because it's warming, you know, and if we look in like uh, naturopathic medicine or Chinese medicine, sometimes problems with digestion is because there's not enough heat in our digestive tract and something like cinnamon bark can help bring heat back to that, the intestines to help, uh, again, in small amounts, we're not talking like drops of the oil, that would be crazy, but we're talking about small amounts, it helps bring heat back there and helps to rekindle those digestive juices. So um, that is another, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I wanna say around that, I don't think so. That's another, another one. Yeah. Uh, oh, the, well, I guess one more thing we can say there is looking at um, cinnamon bark, Cinnamon bark essential oil, why does it smell so different, you know, from cinnamon leaf? And, you know, again, they're like, they're both coming from the same plant. However, with the leaf, we're not getting uh, uh, cinnamaldehyde. It has, it's more similar in composition to clove bud. It has more eugenol than it does cinnamaldehyde. And so if you've ever smelt cinnamon leaf, versus cinnamon bark, they smell completely different. Why do they smell different? Because of the chemistry. And why does cinnamon leaf smell more closely to clove bud essential oil? Again, because of the chemistry. So these influence fragrance, they influence safety, toxicity, all the things, Thera therapeutic properties. It's so interesting too. And going back to the methyl solicitate. Solicitate, yeah, methyl okay. salicylate. I know it's a mouthful. Salicylate. Knowing that that's in aspirin, um, I wonder how often when you make these connections to like real world drugs and things that we use in like contemporary medicine, how much easier it is to understand the effects. And so if you know that these, these chemicals are in this essential oil and also in aspirin, you can kind of start to understand the effects, potential effects of the essential oils and like how often does that come up and how does that affect our research and uh, the research we can do and the research that, um, you know, we can verify? Absolutely. And the, the one thing there though, that I just want to clarify is methyl salicylate itself is not found in aspirin. I just want to clarify this, just to clean it up real quick. Yeah. Yeah. But um, aspirin and methyl salicylate. So aspirin, the drug and mm -hmm. methyl salicylate when the body metabolizes them, they both become the same exact thing in the body. And that, okay. is the, that is the active component, whether you're taking wintergreen essential oil or whether you're taking aspirin, the net result is in the body. The body converts them to become the same thing. And that is the thing that does the uh, therapeutic action of what we know is aspirin to do. So but that's wanna... good to know. No, that's yeah. great to know because having that when becomes an active ingredient, when, a, yes. when it's metabolized, that also changes things and because of yes. the chemistry. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> totally. And yeah, I think, you know, so a couple of things here, you know, um, one, there's increasing research around how can we use, uh, components from essential oils, either standalone or with non-natural medicines, you know, pharmaceuticals, so that we can have a sort of synergistic effect. And that we're seeing, you know, more and more with research. Like how does the essential oil alone do? How does the drug by itself do? 
Um, and how do they do together? Is there some sort of synergistic effect? We especially see this in a lot of like antimicrobial, antifungal, you know, kind of um, studies. How do they work together versus independently? And more often than not, you know, there are, are there's a synergistic effect that happens there. We can see a lot of these parallels, kind of like you mentioned, um, and also there are the, the chemistry of pharmaceutical drugs. They're much larger, much bigger, at many times more complex molecules than kind of the simple nature of our essential oil components. So we do sometimes see that there is an overlap or that there are similar byproducts or similar, um, what's the word I want, uh, metabolic byproducts um, in the body. And also there are times where they are completely separate because the chemistry of essential oils is often very small, very sim like simpler. Whereas when we're looking at more of our pharmaceuticals, more often than not, they tend to be kind of larger, more complex um, with a lot of things going on that uh, uh, make them so uniquely different from our essential oil friends. Yeah. And um, I, I guess I know that that comes up a lot because every time we talk about the drugs that we have now, we do talk about how they're, they're originated from plants or constituents of it from plants. And then we can say, well, we also have these other aspects, like we've pulled out the essential oils from the plants and how, what changes about it? Um, did we pull out the constituents that we needed to address the issues that I, I think um, it, it is super fascinating and I see why it's overwhelming because um, one of the things is like every time you have a new plant, the chemicals could be different in it depending on where it was grown, what region, right. which soil and stuff. So how, when you're, when you're blending or when you're thinking about formulating something to address certain issues, do you, do you try to get all of the, the chemical reports of that essential oil or how do you negotiate these different factors um, when formulating? Oops, I love your questions. Um, yeah, I find that Whenever available, I love to look at like the chemical reports. Just well, I guess I'll start with this. It depends on what I'm blending for. If I'm blending therapeutically versus like if I'm blending like for fragrance or something, then I like to have I tend to like to have my eyes on what a um, what a GCMS report might be or what the different components are, um, just so I can have a better gauge of that particular oil for this particular blend because there can be like you say such a significant natural variation in um, the oils. And yeah, whenever possible, I like to do that whenever I'm blending therapeutically, just to kind of make sure that all my ducks are to row and I'm not given, you know, too high of this amount or too little of that amount if, I, if that's what I want to go for. Mm -hmm. um, and at other times, if I'm blending like for fragrance, then we're just going to do whatever smells right for the nose. Right, right. And that, I think that kind of balances out some of the different aspects of aromatherapy in general. Like it doesn't always have to go through this very scientific, very like, structured route when you don't have those when you don't need those aspects from it when when you can look at it more artistically and yes. i guess the uh, so we're just like in uh, intuitively i think that's the word i was looking for yeah totally uh, that word was coming up for me as well when you were saying that and i think i think there's almost at times a fear of aromatherapists of learning the chemistry because of maybe this fear of like becoming then rigid about the chemistry. And maybe it doesn't need to be like that. Maybe we can have kind of like a both and situation. Maybe we can, you know, trust our intuitive hits around which oils to use. And also 
back it up kind of maybe logically with, you know, oh, I'm choosing to use time, time all. I uh, feel like that's going to be like a really good incorporated oil right now. Oh, and okay. Oh yeah, that makes sense because thymol is a really potent, you know, respiratory support agent. It's really great at antimicrobial activity. Time has been traditionally used for the lungs. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Why I'm kind of like getting this intuitive hit around, mm-hmm. you know, using it rather than, you know, and, and maybe, you know, then eucalyptus comes to mind or maybe, oh, I don't know why I'm thinking to use, you know, I don't know who knows what lemon, but lemon seems right right now, you know, kind of like, um, allowing the creative process to be maintained, allowing the intuitive process to be maintained, and also having an understanding of the science, having an understanding of the chemistry to just kind of help affirm the choices that we're making. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to look like, it can, but doesn't have to look like, you know, I'm going to multiply this number times this number of things to get this percentage of that and this number of, you know, milligrams of this and all that. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't have to be like that. You know, it can and every, every, you know, different flavor, different strokes for different folks and different things work, but it doesn't have to be like that. And even if you learn chemistry, it doesn't have to be like that either. Um, and either way, whether it's a more of a creative process or more of a mathematical process, I think that there's tremendous value in learning and understanding the chemistry. So you know, you don't have to give up your artist for the chemist. You can have, you can be both. (laughs) Cake and eat it too. That's like, (laughs) especially if it's lemon chiffon cake. I love that one. (laughs) Um, So I guess that really takes me back to, um, you have a bunch of different courses and I kind of want you to walk through some of the different options you have and maybe let people at different levels know what what options they have to learn from you and um, what else, like what next level they can get to, to make them better aroma chemists. Oh my gosh. Well, you're so sweet. Thank you for, for asking and bringing this up. Um, so I teach almost exclusively on naturopathicce.com. I'm sure Sav will have a little link or something there, a little picture yep. for you to pull up. Um, but basically I would say wherever you're at, I have a free, a totally free course that's online. And it's called Aroma Chemistry. Why should we learn it anyway? And if you go to the Naturopathic CE website, you go to the course catalog, just look up my name, and then you'll see all of my courses, including that one. It's now offered in Spanish, Portuguese, English. You know, there's all the, so wherever you are, you can hopefully learn from, from <laughs> languages. Um, and yeah, just register. You know, you'll get more familiar with my teaching style. I share a couple of fun facts in there. You know, there's a handout, PDF notes, you know, stuff like that. Uh, and that's just totally for free. You can just kind of see, you can, we can do the dance and you can see if it's a dance that you want to continue to do. Take you out on a first date. See how first date. Okay. Dinner's on me. Okay. <laughs> I recommend the steak and the lobster. If you're <laughs> you go for the cauliflower steak. And, and um, yeah, and there's, I think on that same page, you can even sign up. I do like a free like 10 day or 14 day fun fact newsletter, you know, oh. just, kind of, I know, I love it. I just, I kind of developed it. When did I, I developed it in preparation for, I did a Spanish symposium um, in Chile uh, this past year. And I was like, you know, I'm most people in the Spanish speaking aromatherapy world, like they've never done anything with chemistry. And so I was like trying to think um, the, the organ, uh, event organizer and I were trying to think of ways that we can make it kind of meaningful. And I was like, you know what? People need to know about fun facts. You know, because when we know about a chemistry fun fact, it makes us want to learn more about chemistry. So 
it's a super simple thing like every other day or you know sometimes every day maybe there's like 10 10 emails or something or six or something over the course of like a week or two and it's like just a little a little note in your inbox to just kind of get you excited about chemistry um totally free you can sign up for that on the uh, aroma chemistry why do we learn it any why should we learn it anyway page um and yeah from there you know, I have an introduction course, which is two hours. From there, I have the full course, which is like 10 or 12 hours, something like that. Um, and all of my courses, they count for CE for Naha and AIA and the Aromatherapy Registration Council. They count for massage therapists. They count for acupuncturists. They count for naturopathic doctors, you know. So if you do happen to need any CE, you can still get, you can also get CE for all these courses. You get a certificate of completion as well. And, you know, chemistry isn't the only thing that I teach. I also have, you know, I teach about aroma pharmacokinetics. So if you want to know more about like what happens in the body after we consume an essential oil or topically apply an essential oil, like what does the body do to it? You know, how does it metabolize? How do we eliminate it? Those types of things. I've got a course that discovers all of that in depth. And um, I also like to get a little woo-woo at times. So I even got a course on chakra healing using essential oils. And we talk all about, you know, the energetic applications and spiritual applications of, of oils. And because you can do both. <laughs> why not do both? We can be super nerdy, you know, chemists. And then we can also be super, you know, open, creative, you know, uh, energetic uh, beings. Like how, how fun is that? So yeah, there's maybe a couple of other courses on there. I can't remember anymore, but I guess that to say, I'll also do a plug for uh, Rhiannon Lewis, who has an advanced aromatherapy course on there, and um, Anne Harmon, who's teaching all about hydrosols and hydrolats, and also Marco Valusi is on there teaching distillation. So, you know, if you need some CEs or you want to learn some more aromatherapy um, in all of its beautiful facets, we've got some some great options on the website for everyone. And great, great instructors. I mean, uh, I just going on to the website and stuff, there was just a endless amount of information, course options, um, instructors with all types of credentials. So I feel like it was like a candy store for somebody who's like just jumping into this has a ton of, ton of choices. Um, and I think, I think that's all I do. I'm curious, did your, and your, do you speak Spanish or your translation classes? I mean, I, I should say, um, for the classes themselves, I did have um, Ellie Ramos, who's wonderful. Oh my gosh, she's a phenomenal human being and translator. She has translated um, many of my courses into Portuguese and now into Spanish. But I am doing, um, I'm working with Claudia, who's in Chile, and she's the organizer for Aromatica. Mm -hmm. I do have, you know, enough Spanish to at least do some interviews and to kind of promote the courses and stuff like that. So she and I have been doing some Facebook lives and I've been practicing, you know, the old rusty Spanish uh, uh, language. So um, yeah, it's been keeping it, you know, I just, I love learning in general, you know, and it's like, gosh, bring my love of teaching, my love of aromatherapy, my love of Spanish, my love of language and culture. It's like, woo, let's do it. And that's option awesome because you know Naha this year we really are trying to emphasize the the worldwide aspect of it and trying to make it more especially what Naha does more accessible to people in different languages um, because how important it is and how much information we have and we're like we need to figure out how to get it into the areas that are are using aromatherapy and make sure that you know we can get there 
um, I think it just to get there in time that they see the value in, in certifying in it and learning the chemistry and learning the, the safety and efficacy of it um, as, as soon as possible and through our, our means of our means of education and our credentials and things like that. So that's awesome that you already do that. And that's so cool that you get to teach some of this in Spanish. I'm trying to learn Spanish too. And I'm like, not a language aficionado, but I'm, I'm working on it. So that's awesome. Thank you. Time. Absolutely. I love that for you. So, um, well, I think that's all we have today. Uh, you know, I, I loved getting to sit down and talk to you. This was kind of just a crash course on why aromatherapy and chemistry have such a significance with each other and how um, people who might be intimidated by it know that um, there, there are ways to learn it and to, uh, to bring it into their practice without it having to be just this like rigid, hardcore science um, investment. So thank you again for, for coming with us. And um, if you are interested in any of Tim's courses, I'm going to drop the links in the um, description below. So check out a few different links. You can find him um, through the Naha website as well on our CE provider page. So yes, all CEs, all courses offered by Tim will be counted for CE credit. So go ahead and get those in. Um, and yeah, thanks, Tim. And uh, anything else you want to leave with us, a social media posts or social media, uh, your handles or anything so people can follow you and keep up? Oh, um, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'm so bad at this. I think my Facebook is uh, Dr. Timothy Miller. And then I don't know, you can find me on like on Twitter and Instagram. I think I'm Timothy, Dr. Timothy M. Miller on one of them. And then I think I'm Timothy Miller ND on another. I tried to have them all be consistent, but of course all the names are taken. But yeah, yeah come to me on Facebook or whatever. And um, I just want to say thanks to everyone for your time today. And I hope that you uh, get to experience the joy of learning chemistry. I hope you have fun with it and um, take it in whatever stride is fun for you. And yeah, make the most out of it. Awesome. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Beyond Aromatics podcast. To learn more about Naha and all the things we do, check out our website at naha.org or follow us on social media on Facebook at Aromatherapy Community or on Instagram at Beyond Aromatics.